Thanks for listening today. This is a long episode in which Chris and I run a simulated Starship combat encounter to help folks understand that subsystem of the Star Trek Adventures game a little bit better. But I'm actually happy with how it turned out. After going back through and editing it, however, though, a couple of things stood out to me that I decided I needed to mention on the front end. First off, if you have either the Klingon rulebook or the original core book, I would, before listening to this, or maybe right after it, I would open it up and read through the Starship Operations uh, section and the Starship Combat sections. Maybe not read them in depth, but just scan over them. Put your eyes on the different options that different bridge positions have. Because as Chris and I go back and forth in this simulated Starship Combat encounter, those things, I think we, we make sense of those, but you already have to have them like in your mind in order to really be able to make sense of them. The other thing is, I realize we made a mistake. And in terms of the rules, that is, we made, maybe we made more than one mistake, but I, there was definitely one mistake that, that we made, and it's more on me. If you can find that mistake, find us on our Facebook page. Just look up Fluff and Crunch on Facebook and ask to join and tell us what that mistake was. Otherwise, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy this. Thanks for listening to Fluff and Crunch, where we talk about the connection and sometimes disconnect between system, setting, and story in tabletop RPGs. All right, so we have not actually done a live episode in several weeks because of your holiday. Uh, So, A, tell us how your vacation went, and B, tell us about any gaming you've done in the last few weeks. So, I did, I actually did some role playing over the summer, which was on my birthday. We played Marvel Superheroes. Well, we used Marvel Superheroes to play League of Legends, uh, uh, which that worked really well. Um, And then there's been a lot of gaming because we like sort of on our holidays, we went to uh, a gaming shop in Cardiff, my place of birth. And bought a bunch of board games there. We went to Board Game Cafe and bought more board games. We had the uh, Games Expo, which is like the biggest sort of board game and gaming convention uh, in the UK, and bought more board games. So as well as having a lot of board games for my birthday, I ended up buying a lot of other boards. So we've done lots and lots of board gaming over the last couple of weeks or so. Uh, and I played quite a few Marvel tournaments. So yeah, just, uh, there's been an awful, an awful lot of game in this thing. And my holiday was good. So that was good. Excellent. Yeah, your pictures all look nice. The Games Expo stuff, you look like you guys are having a lot of fun. How did, uh, and I know that for those of you listening, well, you would have listened to it already because that episode will precede this one, um, probably, unless we decide to resequence. Uh, how did the Marvel superheroes hack go for League of Legends? I, it worked It worked really well. Um, you know, there was straightforward things I could put in, like having... I wanted to have these like wraith guys that had like really good resistance to sort of normal weapons. So they were forced to join these sentinels of light uh, and get uh, these like runic weapons, which then the enemies were not resistant to. And, and so, you know, like that was just, just built in the rules. I didn't have to fudge that. So straight away, they were in those like really good stuff that they were struggling to damage these bad guys. And then later on, we'll be able to do like a lot more. And, uh, you know, I deliberately put in so... Annie has like a character who has like cool guns, but I, I just, I put in some like different shot types in there so she could choose to shoot multiple people or different. And again, it all just worked well. So 
yeah and like statting up thing i could like i started up a whole bunch of of characters from the game just really easily by being able to go oh well i think you know they've got good agility but their their fighting's remarkable and this you know just it, it made it so much easier and also being able to look at like marvel superheroes and go right well i think this is how they would match up um so it, it made it super good for that uh, good. so yeah it was it was a lot of fun and it, it worked well stat and everything was fine and in play it was it was it was it was good and i liked the table the table's good fun i did actually fudge the table i gave them a a fudged version of the table where they are more likely to have successes um but again that's nice and easy to do because all they know is they have a chart they don't know they have a fudged version of the chart they just have the the cool chart so yeah it was great good. so good suggestion well done good good i'm glad that worked out yeah i have been working through our uh star trek adventures campaign we're using the um the the mini campaign in the starter box and so we have now completed the first the first two of those three uh stories and then this coming weekend we'll do the um the last one and as i mentioned as you and i were talking before i started recording we decided this last weekend to run a series of within the game the captain who's an nbc npc ordered the crew to conduct a series of battle drills because the ship has never been in combat and it's partially a new crew and so on and so forth and so in order to get to know the starship combat rules as a group of players and me and also tie that to the story in a way that we thought was neat we decided to run a series of simulated battle drills and uh, ran a couple of of notional starship combat scenarios so that by the end of the night we had pushed the story forward but actually hadn't dug into that third uh portion of the book because they were on the way spending their week in uh in in warp getting there we just did these drills so and that obviously is is by the title that's the the focus of today's episode is starship combat in star trek adventures and i'll admit i love this game it's a terrific game this is the one portion of the game i have avoided like the plague until now because i have to do it and so i finally <laughs> feel like i've nailed this down as to how to make this work gracefully uh and now we're going to talk about it and you've got all your reference sheets right there so you are totally ready to go this is how you do it gracefully you buy yeah. the starter set and you give everyone one of the different uh one of the different reference things yeah and what what you're what you're talking about if those of you not familiar uh the the gm screen comes with a series of heavy cardstock two-sided reference pages uh that on one side it has like all the different things the the flight operations officer can do and then another one has all the different things the tactical and security officer can do and so all the different major roles that your players would play at the table during starship combat they have a reference sheet for that has all the different tasks they can do and the mechanics for how to do it hard thing about this and it actually turned out to be not as hard as i thought it was going to be is that the system it's it's 2 die 20 for star trek adventures that's nothing has changed but the way your players work together to make a round or a turn of starship combat work is a different animal than traditional um like personnel level combat so that's what we want to try to talk about today so you've got those i've got mine how do we, uh do you want me to preface this or do you want to preface what we're going to present to people uh no you can do it okay i'll do it all right so I'm going to be the GM and I am going to operate a Cardassian Galore class cruiser just the the Ooh. typical Cardassian warship 
uh, that you see in Next Generation and Deep Space Nine ad nauseum. So I'm going to run that ship. And Chris, you are going to run what? The USS Icarus, which I believe is the ship you're using in your campaign, which is a New Orleans class. Designated NCC-55283. That's right. And my campaign is called Flight of Icarus. So you can all think what my favorite band is. But anyway, um, really quickly, if you are not that familiar with or to remind you of how the system works, I mean, we're not going to get into deep, deep detail about like a lot of detailed numbers because this is a podcast. We can't show this stuff to you. But one of the important pieces to, to approach Star Trek Adventure Starship Combat with is the notion of scale. Every ship has a scale, and that is a number that gives you an idea about how big it is. That number also is tied to how tough it is, how much power it produces. So many things are rooted in scale. And so if you want to try to generally balance an encounter, a starship combat encounter, you'd want to look at ships that are generally of the same scale. So the New Orleans class and the Gaylor class are both scale four ships. So this is this should be a generally even fight uh, going into it. Um, real quick overview: the way starship combat works is just like in personnel level combat. Uh, initiative is squishy. That is typically the players, the PC. A PC will go first, and then unless the PCs decide to seize the initiative or keep the initiative by spending momentum, it moves to the GM, and then it goes back and forth and back and forth until everybody has gotten an opportunity to go. Now, on a a PC-staffed starship, obviously each player at the table gets to take one turn in a round. Now, the way this is handled for the GM is the GM gets a number of actions or number of turns rather within a round that's the same as the ship's scale. So I have a scale four ship, this Gaylor class cruiser. So I'm going to get to go four times. And Chris, because he is also running a ship that is a scale four, but we're just pretending that he has four players. He's going to also go four times. Now, if he was running a New Orleans class ship and he had five players at the table, he would get five uh, turns in a round, I still as GM would only get four. So on the player side, it's limited to the number of players at the table on the GM side, it's scale, but it's just going to be four and four this time. Anything you want to add before we jump right into it and hope uh, we don't make yeah, it? Yeah, I think the one thing I was to point out is that when you have got players, slightly the weird thing is that there are a lot of roles you can have. So there's like Oh, I'm going to go through. So you've got the command, and then you've got helm and navigation are two separate roles. You've got security oversight, and then tactical. Those are two separate roles. Uh, there's a, is there a communication one, and they've got internal system and the sensors. So there's lots of different roles people can have. Realistically, the what the only ones I'm going to bother with, I'm just going to concentrate on command, helm, tactical, and internal systems, which is basically engineering. Um, because the other ones are kind of like have things they can do in combat, but really they're more for other stuff. And so those are the four I'm going to concentrate on. And I will direct you in the uh, the Klingon rulebook, which has the most updated and I think uh, clearly expressed rules on this. The Klingon rulebook has on pages 198, no, 196, 199 has all has the descriptions of all the different things that each bridge station can take 
uh, all the different actions and tasks that they can do. So 196 through 199, and then picking up on page 200 for the next several pages is the Starship Combat System. So if you wanted to go directly to that portion in your book, that is where you would look on um, in the core book. Uh, the roles start on page 220. Well, that's the kind of task thing. Yeah, that's with the command stuff. Till about 224, and then it kind of just bleeds into the rules without a clear thing. Suddenly, like, making attack just appears. Um, so, yeah, 226 is kind of where you've got some of the rules for making an attack and then the damage and repair stuff. Okay, so, so if, yeah, if you're in the core book, you're in the well. 220s. If you're in the Klingon book, you're right around just beneath the page 200 into, the, like, 200 and a few. Instead of talking about it, let's just jump right into it. So I'm the GM here. So I'm going to say that the USS Icarus is cruising along and picks up a sensor reading at extreme range. Remember that range is by fuzzy wuzzy band, not uh, by zone rather, not by actual hard distances. But the USS Icarus picks up on long range scans a Cardassian Gaylor-class cruiser. And the Gaylor-class cruiser, because this is a ridiculous example and we want to get right to the slugfest, maybe this is during the Dominion War and the Gaylor-class cruiser we know is a hostile power. Its weapons are hot and it just comes screaming in toward um, toward the USS Icarus because it's, it's, it's itching for a fight. So I'll go ahead and say I'm not going to as GM with my eighth threat that I've kept track of. Yeah, well, well, you have four players, don't you? Oh, good point, yeah. Yeah, that's the way it works. So you get to go first. I am not going to seize the initiative from you. Oh, that's something then. Uh, Okay, so I've got my four imaginary players who are my commander, my helmsman, my tactical officer, and probably some engineering guy who is just the internal systems person. Uh, so I'm going to just start off and I see I want some momentum because I haven't got any. So I'm going to start off with going with the commander who is going to use the rally action because hopefully that will generate me some momentum. So then I will have momentum for the rest of the group to be, uh, to be working off, which I can get some bonus dice off. Rally is presence plus command doesn't use the ship at all. Uh, we're using a, like we said earlier, basically our, our characters, when we add their, their two stats together, they basically all roll against an 11. Okay, that's the standard crew thing we're going. So I'm going to roll two dice, and that's a 13. So I only got one success. Luckily, this was against difficulty zero. So all I was trying to do is get any successes at all. So I've generated myself one point of momentum. And I'm going to trust that you'll keep track of that. Yes, I am. Uh, and for those of you listening, the, the different tasks that different officers can take there's a menu for each of the different bridge positions they're all unique virtually all of them are unique to that position and so oftentimes the commanding officer or the exo is not at the helm they're not firing weapons like unless a panel blew up and melted someone's face or something like that they're there giving orders and so i think i personally think from a from a story standpoint that's a cool mechanic rally the the commanding officer says something inspiring motivates people and that leads to bleed over success well i'm going to go at so now it switches to me wait unless do you want to seize the momentum or seize the initiative no, no, spend I'll, momentum I'll you don't have you and i can react so no all right so now the turn switches the the, the order switches to me 
And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to use my helm officer. Now, this is a little bit different on the GM side, what I'm going to roll against. My target number, when you look in the books and you look at the different uh, ship stats, most of the alien ships will provide you with a with a one-word descriptor of how good the crew is. Proficient provides for a uh, a total of an 11, a target number of 11. So this is simplified. Now, I, as the GM, have four different um, bridge positions to juggle. That can get complicated. There's no way I'm going to create characters for those. And so the GM side of this is streamlined where I just have a target number 11 for everything when it comes to rolling uh, task rolls for my, my Cardassians. So my helm officer is going to go ahead and I'm going to go to warp because these are very aggressive Cardassians. Now the Galor has a power of nine. I start the scene with full power at nine. Power on starships, it's assumed that life support and keeping the lights on and all that garbage, you have power for that. And so the power number is how much excess power you have to spend on cool stuff like firing weapons and, and you know, you know, burning, burning rubber and making the ship go really fast in a short period of time. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go to warp, which uh, is a control and con task with a difficulty zero assisted by the ship's engines and con. And that's all difficulty zero, but I want, I, you know what? I'm not going to roll. I'm going to make my life easy. I already have eight threat to come after you. So I'm not going to roll at all, but I'm going to go to warp. And the cost for that is one power per zone moved. So I'm going to go ahead and spend two power, bringing my power down to seven. And that is going to enable my Gaylord class cruiser to move two zones from extreme range to medium range. Now, the reason I'm doing this is because a lot of my weapons their optimal range is medium range. So I want to get close so I can take a shot. So I have gone, gone ahead and done that. The helm went. That's one of my four actions. And I'm going to spend two threat to seize the initiative and get to go next because we're very aggressive, drunken Cardassians. We're going to go ahead and fire our disruptor banks. Okay, the disruptor banks are energy weapons with an optimal range of medium. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and roll. My target number, as I said, is 11. I rolled a 19 and an 8. That's for the, the, the weapons officer. But then I'm also going to roll weapons and security. The ship's roll as assisting me. Ooh, and I rolled a 2, and the security is 3, so I rolled under that. So that generated two successes. So I generated a total of three successes, now, I happen to know that the difficulty for that is two. The difficulty for an energy weapon at its optimal range is two. So I generated three successes, so I have an extra success. So I'm going to just dump that into damage because that's what I'm like. And this thing is going to do eight points of damage with the weapon quality of vicious. So if I roll any effects, they're going to do two points of damage, not just one. Let me warm up my dice here. This seems and, bad. And roll. And I rolled craptacularly bad. I rolled four of my eight dice, rolled nothings. But Good. let's see. I got two, three, four, five, six, seven. So I did seven points of damage to your ship, plus the one that I added from spending the momentum, so that or threat what I get. So that's eight points of damage. 
that's handy because the first thing we would do is we reduce it by my because we don't have cover or anything Mm-mm. so we're reducing that by my resistance yep and the resistance correct? is unless the ship has a talent or some modification the resistance is equal to the scale so it's just a representation of how tough is this ship like innately how much damage can it shrug off so the first thing you do is you subtract the resistance from the total damage. So I did eight points. So you subtract. I have resistance of four. So I, four damage, which is handy because if you manage to do five damage, that's a breach where bad things start happening. Yep. So luckily I've avoided that. So that just goes to my shields then, doesn't it? So Correct. my shields take four damage on my shields. Now, much like power, you start a starship combat scene with your maximum shields. Although, wait, did you raise your shields? Well, I knew where that was under the uh, in the Star Trek book, but in the Klingon book, I didn't see it. So, yes, I'm assuming I raised my okay. shields. Well, look at the look at the scenario or the setting that I established. Drunken Cardassian screaming out of the cosmos right at you. You had time to put up your shields. So, yeah. any leftover damage goes into the shields. So, his shields are. What are your shields down to now? Uh, they were at fourteen, so they're now down to ten. Okay. So that's going to get chipped away at. All right, I'm done now. I did my, I punched you in the face. All right, so I'm going to go with my helmsman, who is going to use the attack pattern action. Uh, not going to use an extra dice on this. So that is, costs me one power. So I'm down to power of nine. I started with 10. Uh, so attack pattern is a daring plus con task with difficulty of one assessed by the ship's weapons plus con. So I'll just roll my thing again. Uh, again, like Jeremy said, realistically, if I've got players, my stats might would all be different for everything I do. I'm just using 11 for everything. We do. I'm using a, a nine plus two. So if I haven't rolled a two, I'll count that as, I'll count that as double, but we'll see. Uh, I got a 14, which is no good, and a five. So I have one success and then I need to roll for the ship. Uh, so weapons plus con 12, come on, I rolled a six. So I get two successes. So I succeeded. Uh, I've gained myself an extra momentum. So my momentum is now up to two. Uh, if successful until your next turn, all attacks made by your ship and all attacks targeting your ship. Uh, oh, I didn't know that second bit reduce in difficulty by one. <laughs> so my, whereas Jeremy needed a two for his attack, I will only need a one. Um, have you given, have you done all your actions then? No, I have done two of my actions because you went, that's one. Yeah. And then I went twice because I seized the initiative and now you've gone. So each of us have, have we've now both used half of our four. So it's going to be back to you. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll let it come back to you. Okay. So here's what I'm going to do because, uh, I see my drunken Cardassian see the USS Icarus lining up straight to come right at us so that it's easier for them to hit, but that makes it easier for us to hit. So I'm going to go ahead and use my commanding officer to, to direct. Okay. The, the Cardassian commanding officer is going to direct. And what it says here is the officer provides clear, concise orders. Boy, we'd hope choose one of the other officers currently on the bridge to attempt a single task determined by me. And I get to assist using my command. So the Cardassian uh, commander says, you know, 
fire phaser arrays and yells that at the weapons officer. Now, I've already fired my weapons once this round, so the difficulty for that shot is going to go up by one for me. If you take a, tech, a second tactical action in one round, you the, the difficulty goes up by one. So that minus one difficulty to hit you is washed. So it's still a difficulty too. So the weapons officer fires. Oh, and he got three successes. And the commander, oh, I just rolled a complication for the commander assisting. He like stumbled over himself, but I'm going to go ahead and buy that off with threat. So we don't worry about that too much. And just the ship, out of his chair momentarily, but no one noticed. The ship assists and gets one success. So I rolled two successes for the, the I still got three successes, or I got three successes again this time. And I'm going to dump that other one into damage because that's just the way we are. Um, this was still a difficulty too because we're using phaser arrays, arrays which have an optimal range of medium. We're still at medium range. And I'm going to roll seven damage dice and see what happens. Oh, man, I rolled garbage again. Yes. Four of my dice came up blanks. Nothing. One, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, with an effect. Versatile two. Oh, I like that. So a versatile weapon, the attack gains X points of bonus momentum if successful. So I was successful. I rolled one effect. These Cardassian phaser arrays have versatile too, so I generate two momentum just from hitting you, which I'm going to dump into damage. So I did one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine damage. I did nine damage to you. Kablam. Uh, and I have now taken three of my four actions. So that is five damage off my shields. Because you subtract four for, this, for the resistance, so you're down to five, yeah. and then five come off your shields, and this is where wonderful things happen. But this is now a breach, so you need to roll a d20 to see where you hit. All right, so now in all of the two die 20 games, five points of damage or more in one attack cause an injury or a harm or whatever. It, it, different words in different games. But in this one, in Starship Combat, if there are five points left over, that are applied to the shields or beyond, that causes a breach. So I'm going to roll, and I rolled a two. Where did I hit you? So, because I've got it, a two is system hit computers. Ooh, goody. Now, okay, as you're I'll looking that up, I'll say that breaches, <laughs> breaches represent damage to a specific, for a, for a PC-controlled ship. It's different okay. for the NPC side. And if he ever hits me, we'll get to that. But uh, so, it, yeah, it, whenever the computer system suffers one or more breaches, it disrupts those functions until the officer at the internal system's position performs the restore minor action. Gee, I wonder what I'm doing next. The computer system cannot be used to perform or assist any tasks. It, woof. Additionally, all other tasks attempted which are assisted by the ship increase their complication range by two. Ah, well, I think we'll just uh, nullify this by going. So you're done with that. I'm done now. And so what I did was I left him with a problem. Like this is where in, in the show, one of the computer panels blows up and Ensign Snuffy falls over and his arm is burnt or something like that. And something has to be done before he can go ahead and use those that system again. And since the computer is so integral to the whole, com the whole ship, he has increased difficulties until you 
clear? Is it no restore, which is a minor yeah. action? But luckily, it's a minor action. Yes. I can do that and another one. So I'm going to go with my internal system one, who is my engineer guy. Uh, the character performs a minor repairs and adjustments needs to restore a system after disruption. So he reroutes some power conduits and our computers are sorted. And now he will do something better. So let's see. Uh, regenerating shields might be good. <laughs> I, I think I'm going to go with regenerate shields. That's probably a good idea. How many shields do you have uh, left? I'm down to five. See, look at that. So uh, I am going to spend a point momentum here because I've got two and it seems like important. So I'm going to roll a third dice for my, my engineer dude. Uh, I am rolling, doesn't really matter, I'm rolling it. Single, no, I'm looking at the wrong one. Uh, control plus engineering is ships assisted by the sh ship's structure plus engineering. Difficulty increased by one if the ship shields are zero, which they are not. Oh, have I got it? Oh, I've got, I've got three successes from my guy. Then the ship uh, structure plus engineering is 11 as well. I got a seven. So I have four successes, but it was a difficulty of one. So I get three. Uh, three net successes after that. Regains two points of shield plus two more for each momentum spent. So I think I was, since I generated, I have three momentum essentially. Uh, I think I'm going to put two of that into my shield and I'll, I'll keep one. So I'm going to bank one point of momentum. So that gives me two momentum total. Uh, so I'm going to regain two points of shield and I put two momentum into it. That gives me six shields back which puts me back on 11. See, this is, I think that this is a moment where I'll, we'll, we'll take an aside before I take my last action. Unless, do you want to seize the initiative? No. Okay. <laughs> you want to keep that momentum. I haven't got much momentum, so yeah. No. One of the things that I find interesting and uh, like intellectually stimulating and exciting at the table using this system is that there are times when you might have this great plan for how you want your, your, uh, your round to progress like the players are like oh i'll do this and i'll do that and you all sketch out your actions and then the enemy ship does something like blow your computers on the fritz and now you're stuck with the decision of well i could either do what we plan to do next or i'm going to use the character who's doing that that i didn't i wanted to do a flight operation or, or i wanted to do something else but now you're left with the decision of well do i do i restore the computer with a minor action which is automatically successful uh, or do I use a different character? So there's there's an interesting balance in this between planning among players and also having to deal with unplanned contingencies because the other side gets a vote too. I like that. So I have used my commander. I have used my uh, my helm. Oh, no, we fired twice. No, my commander forced the fire, so yeah. it didn't count. So my commander, my tactical and my, my flight ops have gone, and I haven't been hit or nothing like that. So we're going to go ahead and use our sensors to try to scan for weakness, which is uh, I scan the enemy, enemy vessel looking for vulnerabilities. Choose a single target I can detect, only one ship, you. Uh, difficulty one, control and science, and then the ship's uh, sensors and security which is 10. I got two successes from the character and one success from the ship. So I got three successes. So I generate two momentum. That is threat. Oh, I'm sorry. The task increases by one difficulty for each range beyond close range, but I still got, so I only got one momentum threat out of that. If you succeed, the vessel's next attack before the end of your next turn gains piercing two. 
So I'm going to get around your resistance. That's good. Uh, further, if any bonus die 20s are purchased for the next attack, it inflicts plus one additional damage for each bonus die 20 purchased. And I pick up one threat, so I'm at a total of five. And my turn is done. All right, so I'm going to go with my tactical officer because he hasn't gone yet. He, yeah, he's he, been like twiddling his thumbs as I've been like slapping you around. Well, the, the helmsman was getting me in the position, so I'm in position. That's right. So I am going to go because it's easy. I'm going to go for uh, use my phaser arrays, which also for some reason do more damage than my photon torpedoes anyway. Oh, the other ones have high yield. I don't know what that means. I know what versatile does. So, uh, so I have two dice, but I'm also going to spend two momentum, uh, which will take me to four dice. Now, here's an interesting question. Does the ship count towards my normal limit of five? Or can I buy a point of threat and have five dice and then roll a separate dice for the ship? I believe that the the limit is your role, like your character's role. Supporting is a is a different. I don't think it counts toward that. I will give you a point of threat. Thank you. So I get five dice. So now I need an extra one. And then I'll be assisted by my ship. So control plus, I'm I'm rolling against 11 again. So what I'm looking for, no. So what I was hoping for is like, you know, some ones and twos that would count double. Uh, So far, I only have two. So that's that's disappointing. I rolled a bunch of like 12s and 15s, but I've got the ship. So my weapons and security for the ship is only 10. Come on, ship. Oh, no, the ship. So despite rolling six dice, I only have two successes. Okay. Luckily, the difficulty is only one. Right, because uh, you had flown that attack pattern, making it yeah. easier for you to hit. So that does mean I got one momentum, but you said versatile doubles that, didn't you? So I get I actually generate two momentum from my what should be one. Yeah, if it says versatile two, then you get yeah. extra momentum from that. But yeah, I have versatile two. So uh, I have my attack. I've got two points of momentum. I'm gonna I'm gonna put those into damage. I only get five dice. Uh, or am I missing something? Because you were rolling a lot more dice than I am. So my thing says phaser arrays, five combat dice. So you know what? Actually, actually, no, that 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 five is correct because that already computed that six in that that one into it. Oh my goodness. Man, it's an exploration ship. You don't you know Starfleet's all about like peace and love and harmony and stuff? Well, they're gonna be all about being blown to smithereens and dying in a minute. So it could be that case. That's true. Uh, oh, no, because I only rolled one blank. So I actually have, and I have, oh, I had to roll the effect to count my, to get the versatile, didn't I? But I have now, so that's fine. So I have one, two, three, four, five, plus uh, my two mental half. So I'm going to go for, that's, that gives me seven. So I'm going to go for seven damage. Real quick, actually, versatile just gives you, it, 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 it gives you that much momentum when you roll an effect. If you rolled momentum by virtue of rolling more successes, you get that also. All right, so I should have had one momentum. So what does Versatile 2 give me? Two more momentum. For each effect you roll, it gives you two momentum. All right, so I have got one, two, three, four, five. I've got five based on what I've rolled there. I had one momentum, and then I've rolled a Versatile. So that's three extra. So I'm going to put the three extra I have all back into the damage to give me eight. Okay, so you did eight points of damage with your phasers, right? Yes. All right, against my... I have a resistance of four. So I take four points to the shields. 
I did, I did not hit the magic nine damage I needed. No, you did not. So my shields go down to seven. Uh, and incidentally, high yield on the photon torpedoes. It may seem odd that tor torpedoes don't do as much damage, but whenever torpedoes cause a breach, they automatically cause a second breach with it. That's good. So it's, that's pretty brutal. Okay, so we are done with the first round. Each of us has taken a turn, our four turns in the round. Uh, we're done with that first round of combat. And comments or questions? Anything that, that, that stands out so far before I beat you up some more? Uh, the, the ship that I've got isn't as good as the Cardassian ship, and I should probably go to war. So I think I like, might be leaving Helm till last. Okay. <laughs> but see, that, that, you know what's neat is, and this is what I saw this last weekend when we ran the two different scenarios, and I used this federation, the, the players used this federation ship, and I had them fight a Galor, and I also had them fight a, fight a big Romulan warbird. And they behaved very differently because obviously the roles were different, but just the situation was different. Okay, so you go first because I'm right. not going to spend any threat. Yeah, and I've kind of got a problem. I have a massive shortfall of I've spent all my momentum. So I think I'm going to go for the exact same thing. I, I'm tempted to go for direct and, and put in two shots, but this shot isn't going to be very good. And then the second shot I can do will be at higher difficulty. So I think instead I am going to go for rally hoping that I roll better this time um, and generate myself a lot more win. I am going to spend a point of, I'm going to spend, I'm going to give you a point of threat so I can get a third dice. All right. And my, my commander is going to inspire the crew with a, oh. a, a big speech, you know, in the middle of a combat because that's what you do. And he is going to not roll amazingly, but not totally. So I've got two fours and a 14, but that's, that's two successes. So that was, that's two momentum that I'll be able to use later on so that's something okay so um, an abbreviated saint crispin's day speech from the bridge right yeah i was gonna say it's worth pointing out at this point that like we're kind of playing it, it, this seems really one side at this point but actually these the the pcs that i'm not using would probably have uh you know they would probably have better stats for a start but they sure. would also potentially have talents which give them bonuses for doing some of the things i'm doing Yep. And I'm not playing with any of that stuff because we're just showing how it works. So actually, it wouldn't be as difficult to make it look like. Um, but yeah. Paul. You know, in a way, you and I are both running these. Aside from the damage, you actually rolling out damage uh, for breaches, which if it happens on my end, it's different. And we'll see that. Um, but we're basically running these ships more like two NPC ships, one with expanded damage and, and, and the other with not. So, okay, I'm going to go ahead. We are going to we're going to shoot at you because we scanned for weaknesses and oh, yeah. we were successful. I'm going to go ahead and buy two dice uh, so that I'm going to roll four dice. We're going to go ahead and fire our disruptor banks at you, but we're going to we're going to get it's going to be pretty cool here. We're going to go ahead and fire them four or three successes plus. I got four successes, and it's difficulty two. So I got two uh, momentum threat generated from that, which I'm going to dump into damage. Those will be just points. So I'm going to roll eight dice here. So I'm going to have the piercing two quality because I scanned for weaknesses before. I also bought bonus die 20s. I get an extra two damage dice 
for each of those. So actually, I need to roll 10 damage dice. <laughs> Great. I'm not going to use those for damage. I'm going to be nice, and I'm just going to bank them. So I'll just use... No, I think you should use the damage, because then we'll get another breach. Yeah. Let's see. Let me pull out the blank. How many effects, how many effects did you uh, roll? I rolled four of them. Right. So I have... Well, so each one of those ignored two points of resistance. Right. And you only had a resistance... So I have... I have no resistance. <laughs> resistance is futile. So I did a total of uh, nine points of damage to you. Now, because I had the piercing two quality and I rolled so many effects, your resistance is ignored. So all nine of those, those points go to the shields. Yep. So it's a good job that I buffed my shields back up because if I hadn't, I would have gone to zero shields and that would have been an additional breach. So as it is, I'm down to two shields. And that's why, do you want to spend those extra two points in momentum, your threat that you I think I should. I think you should I think now, I yeah. should. So, so that well, is 11 damage, which takes me to zero, and that is one of the other ways you can get a breach. So as I have gone to zero shields, which is a breach, and actually, is on, that no, it's two on, extra It's breach? on page 201 in the Klingon rulebook. Your ship suffers a breach if you meet any or more, if you meet some of these, uh, these qualifiers, yeah, just if you more. do five or more, that causes a breach. If your shields are reduced to zero by that attack or hazard, that causes a breach by itself. If you do more than, if I did both of those, so I get two breaches. Yep. yep. Yes, I do. So, so let me go ahead and roll where those breaches are. Because every time you cause a breach, you roll to see where it is. I roll a one and a five. A uh, one is my communications, and a five is my engines. Now, if you'd rolled, if you'd rolled a two again for computers, that would have been two breaches. The amount of breaches you can have on a system is how your scale. So four. If you get half that, so in this case two, then that system is is damaged. So luckily, at least you've now hit three different systems. So, yep. and that's on page two hundred one uh, of the Klingon rulebook. If you're if you have that. So what happens here is that yeah. you can, much like, exactly like in personnel combat, you can die, you can be brought down by either death by a thousand paper cuts or a, a series of heavy hammer blows. Now, Starship Combat, and they, it says it in here, and I've heard lots of people online talk about this, these ships are meant for the most part to be able to take a lot of punishment. So a ship can take multiple breaches in multiple systems. Um, and the idea behind that is that we've got lots of, you know, canon in the, the, the series and the movies of ships just slugging it out. So these ships aren't going to like blow up like a fighter or something like that. So tell us what happened to your comms and your engines. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go back to it because that's what I've noticed here in the Klingon thing. They've simplified it a lot and they're kind of just given roles for impact damage disabled. And then they've got some additional breach effects you can use if you want to. Um, I think they decided it, it just got a bit too complicated. Yeah. But since I've, I'm, I'm since I'm uh, using a player ship, I might as well go. And I've got the stuff here; it's not that bad. So engines impact is disrupt them. The ship loses two power immediately. Oh dear! Uh, and until I do restore minor actions, all tasks assisted by the ship's engines, all which have a power requirement, increase in both difficulty and complication range by one. So that's not great. Uh, the communications impact is. Uh, dis again, disrupt those functions temporarily. So I'm going to need another restore minor action. So that's a bit 
that's a bit awkward at the moment. Um, so there we go. So yeah, my ship's not doing super good at the moment, but at least you hit different systems. Now, will so you need the something. restore action for both those systems? Yeah. So I'd have to use two. Now, that, that, but I like that, though, because that presents you with a challenge and an interesting choice. In this situation, you might, you might decide to ignore communications because they're not helpful to you right now. Not so you went, right? Yeah. And then I did. went. And I'm going to spend two to seize the initiative because your shields are down right now. And so I'm going to look at my internal systems options, and I have transporters. Um, well, let's see. How would that work? Because deploy troops is uh, on the ship, but I want to send a boarding party onto your ship. Oh, it, it's, it's, it's within close range. I'm not in range. Okay, I'm not going to do that. Yet. Yet. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and just do a helm action of maneuver. Maneuver is different from warp. I can use the ship's thrusters to adjust position, moving the ship anywhere within medium range. So I'm going to go ahead and do that, and I'm going to scoot into close range with you so that hopefully I can send a boarding party over and take over. Your turn. So I could, at this point, use my help. I'm, I'm going to take a shot, I think, before it's all gone horribly wrong. So the optimal, what is the optimal range of my phases and my photon torpedoes? I'm guessing not close uh i believe the photon torpedoes their optimal range is long and your phasers yeah, so are use them so if i use phaser arrays i'm going to have yeah it's going to be difficulty three because i'm too close to use them effectively um but i want to keep my helmsman for the moment so uh that's what i'm gonna to have to do i'm gonna spend a point of momentum Give me three dice for my helmet. You could buy threat and buy some extra ones. If you really hit like a knockout punch and then fly away, maybe, you know. Yeah, go on then. I'll spend two points for I'll get give you another two points of Got threat. It. So I will have five dice. And I hope roll better than the last time. Oh, four of them are successes. Uh still not rolling any ones or twos. And I'll roll for the ship as well, which I did not get anything good on. Uh so I have four successes. So that's a start. So that gives me, I need it was difficulty three, wasn't it? We yes. established. So that's only one point of momentum. Um, but let's roll my damage and then and then I can make decisions with the momentum. I, I don't, but at least I did hit you. So that that's, was that's a start. Uh, I have rolled three effects and one other one. So we said versatile two is generating a two points of momentum per effect. So you just generated six momentum in addition to the damage that the, that that roll does, because those yeah. effects always do one point at least one point of damage. Yeah. So that's one, two, three, four. Plus, I pump all of that momentum into it. That gives me ten. That gives me ten. So I think the other momentum I got will keep. So that's yeah. The, the momentum I generated from there, I'll just pump all of that into damage. So that is six that is 10 damage total so i have a resistance of four leaving six into my shields bringing my shields down to one you're very happy uh go ahead and roll where you cause that breach because if there are five or more points left over and the shields are up a breach happens i got 20 which on mine says weapons. it does say weapons so on the end finally you damage me that's good actually it's funny for an npc ship you don't actually roll for where the breaches go but let's yeah. just say, you know, anyway. Uh, I, always, I always found it was worth rolling to be able to describe yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah. 
better regardless of how the rules work for it it was always worth nice knowing where you hit. yeah what happens on the npc side though and this makes this makes running it as a gm so much easier um impact whenever the ship suffers a breach it loses a single turn during the next round and two power okay so i lose two power immediately uh and the next round i will only have three actions instead of four and this builds as more breaches pile up it just makes it a lot easier to run it as the gm so now you've gone once I've gone twice. You've gone again. I still have two more actions, or do you want to seize the initiative? Uh, no, I am going to, based on the fact that I have PCs, um, my PCs would have determination. That's true. And so I am going to use a point of determination to perform an extra task immediately. And I'm going to do that to have, can I have the helmsman? Yeah, it was the helmsman that had a go. So the helmsman is going to take another shot. Um, it's tricky because I'm now at difficulty four, but I'll just give you, I'll spend the two momentum I've got. Why are difficulty four to do what? And why are you at difficulty four? Uh, so I'm shooting you again. And you said, if the ta- if we make a tactical, a second tactical action, the difficulty goes up general rule of thumb though, in, in any time in most 2d 20 things, anytime you do an action, a second time through buying an extraction whether it be through momentum or determination or whatever it's usually the difficulty increases so if i'm shooting you again it was difficulty three it'll go up to difficulty four you know what though the the helm officer firing weapons is not an option no, not helm. helm i'm tactical i got my thing. oh okay okay sorry yeah. sorry sorry all, all right, right so you're gonna shoot at me and the difficulty goes up by one that's okay yeah so i'm up to difficulty four but i've got two dice plus two of my momentum i will give you another threat because you know uh, and I will, I will go for it. So no, I roll two twenties, but I did roll a one on my ship. So I have got three successes, which is not enough, and roll two complications. Lovely. I'm going to be nice and just take those complications as threat because I can't think of anything worse than the situation you're already in right now, aside from dead. I mean, I just completely fluffed that shot because I needed four successes and I only got three. You only got three. Yeah. All right, so yeah. now it's my turn. Yeah. Now it's my turn. And I have... Your shields are still down. Yeah, this is an odd one. I don't actually see... There's there's transporters where a targeted group of characters or objects in the same location and destination, both within close range. So I can do that. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and transport a boarding party to your ship, but the task increases by one if the target is not on a transporter pad. Um, they are, but the destination is not a tra- on a transporter pad. So this is going to cost me one power, and this is going to be a control and engineering. I'm going to go ahead and spend some of my threat to get some extra dice. I bought two of them. Control and engineering, no, yes, yes, and a complication, which I'll buy off with threat. So I got two, I got three successes because I rolled a one. The ships, I'm going to add sensors and engineering, which is only a whopping nine, but I roll a four. So I got three successes, and I needed it. It was a difficulty two. So I generate a momentum for myself, which I'll bank. 
And we sent, we beamed a boarding party of angry Cardassians over to your ship. I've now gone three times. Yeah, so I'm thinking at this point, having completely fluffed my attack roll, uh, that we're going to get out of dodge here. Um, I mean, it is worth pointing out, had I managed to hit the other roll, whereas for mine, I have the ship systems and mine go, just I have impact at half, as many, when I have as, half as many breaches as scale, then that is, or as many breaches as half the scale, that's damaged. And then if I take as many breaches as scale, that's destroyed. It's actually quite hard to destroy a PC ship. It's going to take a while. Whereas that's just applied in total to an NPC ship. So that's kind of how you've got an advantage thing there. Um, but as it is, the ship's kind of damaged. There's some Cardassians on board now. Uh, I think actually running away is probably a good idea. Uh, so I'm going to go to warp. According to this, I have to spend power. Uh, the power spent determines how quickly the ship is moving. I can't spend more than my engine. So I have an engine score of ooh, 10. Well, I'm going to spend... Uh, I'm going to spend five power to go away very, very quickly, only leaving me with two. Uh, and I've got to roll. Now, because my engines were damaged, this is normally this would be difficulty one, but this is actually going to be difficulty. There's, normally, this would be difficulty zero. This will actually now be difficulty one. Uh, so I've only got two dice and then assisted by the ship. Um, so I did roll two successes on the ship one. Uh, oh, the, uh, on, the, on, the, on the, the helmsman, and then the ship rolled a seven. So I actually have three successes. So I've generated two momentum, uh, and I am flying away. I'm assuming it's something like warp five, right. and that's why it's been five power, but it doesn't specifically say that, but it's uh, having had slightly damaged ships, that's going. Uh, and at that point, then, the enemy would, uh, if they wanted to pursue, the pursuit must spend more power than the fleeing ship. Do you have six power to spend? I do not. And you hear now, listeners, we didn't plan any of this. So that was cool. I had uh, the Galar starts out with nine power, but I've spent or had damage forced on me, costing over more, more, than, more than half that. So I don't have the power to chase you. So you get away. Whoosh. On, on our map that people okay. listening can't see. <laughs> All gone. Yes, we were using a Google slide to move ships around, which, by the way, uh, since this is a, a zone-based combat system, all I did this last weekend is I, I got out an old, I mean, an old FASA black hex space map that's like 37, 38 years old. And the way it folded out, because it had, you know, it, it was, uh, it had eight like rectangular pieces that were blocked off by the, the seams in the folds. I just considered those to be each yep. a zone. And so we just we had a, I had a little paper representation of of each ship and we just moved them around and counted. It was really easy uh, to keep track of where the ships were and how close they were together. If they were in the same rectangle of space on the map, they were in the same zone. They were at close range. If they were one if they were the next one over, if there was a seam between them, they were they were at medium range. So you just took off, you took my Cardassian boarding party with you and you yeah, left that to seemed like a better day. idea than like maybe having the ship really badly damaged clearly that ship is not meant for uh, tactical actions 
Well, here's here's the thing to consider is that a no, the ship is not. Um, it is the the ship that I outfitted for my group of players is primarily an exploration ship. But on the other side, Chris, you weren't controlling no. real player characters. You were just using a generic number, and on top of that, you were using an eleven, which is kind of a, it's like a low end. Yeah, I think. Yeah. That's not like SWAT. That's like Rent-A-Cop. Yeah, I think we can imagine that realistically, considering each player, you know, the command would their command would be their highest score, and the helmsman their their you know their con would be their highest score, and so on. But because of that, that actually people are going to be rolling, you know, much better, much better stats, and you'd probably be rolling against you know thirteens and fourteens. Um, yeah, which makes a big difference. I mean, if you're rolling fourteens instead of elevens. That's um, that's almost a third better, yeah. Chance uh, each time. So, and also the the discipline would be higher. Uh, you're looking at disciplines of four, maybe even five, which is going to greatly increase the chances of of critical successes of those double successes. So, I think that in a way, numerically, the deck was the the deck. Hello, numerically, the deck was stacked against you a little bit by virtue of the the stats that you were using in place of of player characters the other thing too and you pointed this out earlier is that player characters have all kinds of talents that enable them to buy extra dice and if you have a security officer that has some kind of cool talent that makes them better at the ship's weapons there are all those things that get sprinkled into the mix that add ripples and interesting nuance to the story side of it but also mechanically improve your likelihood of blowing me out of the sky so, I mean, I think it is worth pointing out that might have seemed like, oh, you know, we still only did two rounds of combat in something like 45 minutes or so. But I would point out, yeah. we were explaining everything we did as we went. Also, from my side, I was, you know, in theory, running multiple characters. The, the, the sheets that we talked about in the start set are really useful for, you know, that person's got, that person can be thinking of what they're going to do while someone else is doing it. Um, uh, so it you know it would be a little bit quicker, and actually it it really isn't much longer than that. I mean, if you actually, if you think of your average Star Trek episode, well, most Star Trek episodes have no combat whatsoever. But if you are going to have ship combat, you know, you're probably only doing maybe one ship combat every couple of episodes. It's not super quick, but it's also not yeah. that long, and it's not super complicated. Um, and actually, if you did want to do sort mm-hmm. of fleet wide things, as we've talked previously, the command book has rules for sort of fleet-wide combat action. So you wouldn't use these rules to do right. one ship against, you know, f- well, you know, five ships against five ships. There's a whole different set of rules that you could use for that. And um, this is what I saw this last weekend. We, in about two hours, did two full um, Starship combat encounters. However, that was similar to what we were doing here and then some because we... Uh, we were all making sure we had the books open and we were going through them and we were making sure that we understood things. And the Klingon book lays this stuff out clearer. That is, it is described more clearly and it's easier to digest mentally. Uh, They also keep the, the relevant tables and descriptions of like weapon effects and weapon qualities in a about a 20 some page block but they're still kind of spread around so there's still a good amount of um of page flipping to do uh to to figure out well you know hey i hit with a torpedo how's that different from a phaser from just damage 
But uh, I think the biggest thing with Starship Combat, and this is what we talked about as a group this last Saturday night, I mean, the, the, the roles are all the same. You know, the rules are the same as any other 2 die 20 you know, combat encounter. But the mindset for how the players interact with one another through their characters and how you gracefully balance who goes first and how, and then how you react when you get thrown a monkey wrench, that's very different from personal combat. And I actually found that really interesting, and, and we found that to be a lot of fun because it actually felt more like, and we took time and talked about it afterwards, like this felt more like an episode where, you know, Picard yells this and, the, you know, the, 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 the console blows up in Worf's face and, or, you know, the engineer's got to get down to engineering to, to get his people, his repair, his damage control teams working. It felt very much like that. Like we could see where the, the decisions they had to make and the sequence they went um, felt like yeah, I mean, like I've, when I've played it in the past, I, we really enjoyed it because whereas normal combat is, you know, I, I moved here, I shoot at this person and, and so on, which is, you know, my most other role playing. This was something very different and it did feel very much like Star Trek because, you know, the, the commander's doing his command thing and then the the helmsman's doing maneuver. You know, I, I, I did that one maneuver and I flew away, but there's a whole bunch of like evasive actions and there's moving closer and other stuff. So that's really cool. Um, and then, you know, the tactical after I, I kept, we both kept shooting each other, but there's other things you can do. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of different, you know, options and things that, you know, you can do there. Uh, and it is cool that everyone's doing something different. Um, so yeah, we've, we've, you know, I generally found that a lot of fun. It really did feel like, like Star Trek, um, the way the ship combat works, which is, which is really nice. Yeah. And, and again, everyone has their menu. And the menus, I mean, each each position, each bridge position has like four, five, six different major things that they can do. And then everybody has a selection of minor actions. And just like in the show, a character can move from one position to another. So they could change what they're doing. Like if you wanted to say, if, if I as the GM say that a breach, a computer breach on your ship results in an NPC who's being the flight officer, being wounded, well, the XO could jump into that position. So there's people aren't like tied to their, they're not anchored to where they start the the encounter. Yeah. Yeah. I think generally it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not super, super quick, but then, but it works. And I think that's the main thing. It's, it's actually relatively easy to understand. It does work. It does work well. Um, you know, and yeah, I, I, I think enjoy it. And hopefully people got the idea from that, that actually, you know, there's some there's some kind of cool things going on there, and again, the systems. Oh, no. The one other thing I do want to add is, if anyone's listening, they go, "Wow, that that was really antagonistic." We've been telling people that you know, threat isn't antagonistic, and two D twenty isn't antagonistic. Yes, but when you're doing that, normally it's four players again, and it's not against the GM. It's four players, and their ship is against the GM ship, and the GM's doing what you think would be appropriate for the characters. This probably was a bit more antagonistic because it was one against one using basically the same stats. Well, except my ship was terrible but uh, you know it's like so it's not it's not if you're listening to that and thinking like oh this is so and threats being used to you know screw over the players you know not not so much no and, and also something to consider is that again player characters have plenty of opportunities through talents to generate more momentum than than a uh, a gm is going to be able to generate threat Unless the players are extraordinarily unlucky, unlucky and roll lots of twenties, 
yeah and so i i don't i don't think it was i think i mean i primarily use threat to to jump in you know to 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 swing at you again which hey think about it if you remember the episode from deep space nine when the uss odyssey i think it was the odyssey went into the the gamma quadrant and the jemhadar fighters like kamikaze into it and blew it up to prove a point that the dominion was not to be screwed with uh you know that i i think in those instances you you have to not think of it as, i mean if your gm is a jerk obviously and is just doing it to rub your character's face in the dirt well that's a different issue but i mean there are those situations where you know hey if, if you're running the borg the borg aren't going to pull punches if you're running the gem hadar they're not going to be like oh hey why well, how do you want to do this no they're gonna they're gonna come after you full bore yeah so i think I think that was a, a good example of how the, the, the space combat works in Star Trek. Hopefully more of a refresher for you as well, so it's going to help you playing it. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. And again, I mean, in, in, in wrapping up, the, the explanation of how it works, the explanation of how each different bridge position functions and their options that's that how those are explained in the Klingon rulebook is much better than in the core book. Uh, and it's much easier on the eyes because it's white paper, not black. Paper. Yeah, the only problem I'd had then is having read the normal book earlier in the day, then looking at the Klingon book, the stuff wasn't in exactly the same place, which is why I kept jumping between. The, Kling the Klingon book's much better written. I just didn't know what the order of stuff was. Right, the page numbers aren't, because the Klingon book is like 40 or 50 pages longer. Well, cool. That was groovy. I like that. Um, I hope that, uh, that, that you folks listening... Um, what, what I would, I mean, that's not meant to teach you how to do the system. I think that if you read the rules in one of the books, preferably the Klingon version, and you listen to that, you maybe put some stuff out in front of you, like the, you know, you have the books open. I think that should help you move through it and understand, like, how do we, how do we actually do this? Because that's one question I've gotten from people. And frankly, like I said early in the the episode, that is a that's the one piece of this system that I've actually avoided because. I think, and tell me what you think about this, Chris, I think that is the one piece of this game you could not do gracefully or even well with a group of brand new players, like players who are brand new to the system. There's just too much in terms of all their different options instead of I just yeah. fire my phaser. And there are too many different story options as to how the players are going to coordinate together. And that's why I held off using this with my no, i think i would definitely start with doing other things on the ship should they get the idea of the ship assess, assisting them in doing things uh and then i would run a, a ground-based combat so they can see how combat works and then it, you, the space combat is just those two put together it's you, whenever you do something the ship assists you and what i do like about it is that um is that the the actual like for example the damage is exactly the same if you you know well, the same as most other 2D20 ones. If you get shot and take five points of damage, something bad happens. Yep. Um, and if it's not five, then it's just when you hit zero. So the fact that that's how it works for ships and then it's how it works for people, you know, it's, it's really handy. So yeah, I would definitely start with, with ground-based combat and then I'd move on to the ship combat. But I, I don't think it's that difficult. I mean, it's still only a, you know, 10-ish pages for the ship combat, which might sound like a lot, but if we compare that to... You know, even fifth edition, which much stripped down combat, is way beyond that because they have lots of different actions you can take. The whole reason this is quite a lot of text 
is because, well, there's like different actions for the commander and the sensor guy. And, you know, there's like eight different positions you can have on the, on the bridge. Mm-hmm. And each of those has a bunch of different actions. Um, so like we said, in the Klingon book, they slim that down uh, and make it sort of more, more concise. But, you know, you are trying to cover a lot and it's, it's not difficult to, I don't think it's that difficult to pick up once you've tried it. And it's probably like you said, it's a good idea to have like a practice version, which in Star Trek you can do because you just have, we're doing a simulation or it's in the academy or, you know, whatever else. Yeah. And that's that I'll, I'll end my piece with that is that I, I think that was, and I'm not, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back here, but I think that's exactly what we did. And it worked really well because within the story I established the ship has never, this ship has like dealt with commerce, like pirates, but it has never been in like a slug fest, a real live starship combat with another like enemy of, of some, you know, some degree of, of uh, comparable power. And so that gave, an opportunity for the character, the player who's playing the XO and the engineer and the security officer to like talk, but among themselves as a, well, how are we going to set up these battle drills and what are we going to do? And then I'm playing the, in, the captain as an NPC as she walks around and checks in on people and asks what's going on in this department and things like that. And then as part of the after action review that their commander did, I, uh, pointed out like you know based on some of the roles and based on some of the things that they decided to do in those two scenarios feedback from the captain about you know how she thinks the engineering department did in that situation and so it it was a learning uh experience for us as players but that also wrapped really well into the story that we're trying to we're trying to tell for this this ship and this crew yeah i think that was a really good idea i was like that was that sounded cool yeah, nobody, nobody thought. I it didn't feel like anyone thought like, oh, you know, we're we're, you know, we're we're wasting time learning the rules when we want to play the game. We were able to do both things at the same time and be explicit about about doing both. All right, I'm willing next time to take a radical departure and have you try to talk up Pathfinder Second Edition to me. Yeah, I was looking at thinking like, oh, it's like my second day back at school. That'll be a nightmare. And then I remembered that it's my second day back, but I don't actually have any classes and I'll probably be doing nothing most of the day. So that will give me the, uh, I'll have plenty of time in a day to, uh, to uh, sort of think stuff up. So, yeah. All right. That's what we'll do. Thank you so much for listening. You can visit our show's homepage at anchor.fm slash Fluff and Crunch. That's F-L-U-F-F-N-C-R-U-N-C-H. We would really appreciate feedback and reviews on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to this on. Thanks so much.